0: Good morning and welcome to all of you to the Prairie Doc Radio program. Dr. Rick Holm, our medical expert, is in the studio ready to answer your questions. Dr. Holm's specialty is internal medicine. He's worked with the Avira Medical Group Brookings and has served as a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. Good morning, Dr. Holm.
1: Good morning, Joan Holkin.
0: Good to have you here. And I it, couldn't do the show without you. It's good <laughs> no.
1: to be here. It's <laughs> just good to be alive, huh? Yes. Oh, yes. what a beautiful day it, it is out it there. Is, oh, my God.
0: It is a lovely day. Oh. It just is. And, you know, I mentioned all of your accolades or right. your past role as a doctor and as a professor, but also your role as an author is rather important. You're the author of Life's Final Season, A Guide for Aging and Dying with Grace. Yeah. I bring it up because tomorrow night you're going to be talking about the final gifts caring for someone at the end of life and it'd be a good topic for us to discuss today yeah. as well
1: well uh what a treat it was to to be interviewed by uh, Lori Walsh about my book on on our TV show that 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 particular uh, show and and uh, Lori Walsh is a fabulous interviewer you know she just has that Way so well
0: for those who don't know Lori, mention that she's on NPR.
1: She is uh, a South Dakota public broadcasting person who has um, Monday through Friday, eleven till one, uh, and you know she interviews anybody and everybody, and it just mm-hmm. it's it's a variety show and uh, a lot of work because it's it's a patch patchwork of a variety of different topics and so on and so forth i mean
0: but no matter what the topic is she's well versed or she's she, read up at it and she is she just does a great job that's of exactly right she very really well does.
1: versed on everything that she does i mean she's thought about it and she was a marine
0: she was i did not did know, you know that. that nope missed that one <laughs> huh. when you think of well versed radio people who else do you think of Bob. Bob, you just <laughs> got to think about Bob. The man knows everything. Who, I mean, what, he's there's so, not
1: one topic in the world that brings, I've ever said. People
0: sent. come in here. They he interviews <laughs> them, and he just knows what they're about. He's just something. So there are some really talented people on radio today.
1: Yeah. Uh, Bob that, is one Bob of them, one. and
0: Lori Walsh is another. And so she interviewed you about your book.
1: Yeah. Right. There it is. Yeah. Okay. And and um, so. Uh, the book is an interesting thing we could discuss uh, after this break, but I mean we'll we'll talk about uh, what I I would summarize it as geriatric literature for the layperson.
0: That sounds like a great summary. On that note, we we are going to take a break. I've mentioned this before, but if you're listening to Prairie Doc Radio here in Brookings, you're listening on your AM radio. But if you happen to be uh, listening to KBRK via the internet streaming. Be sure if you'd like to call, you can still call from anywhere in the country. Just remember the area code 605 and then 692-1430.
2: And we will be back right after these words. By living a healthy lifestyle, you can help keep your blood pressure, cholesterol, and glucose or sugar level normal, and lower your risk for heart disease and heart attack. A healthy lifestyle includes the following, eating a healthy diet, maintaining a healthy weight, getting enough physical activity, not smoking or using other forms of tobacco, and limiting alcohol use. Talk with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings if you have concerns about heart disease. 697-9500. Hi,
0: welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Happy to have you listening today. I just gave Dr. Holm a list of who was on his show tomorrow night. And he's going, oh, yeah, it's been a while, because it was aired in August. So
1: Actually, an, it was the Maggie Callanan show. It wasn't the Lori Walsh interview.
0: Well, I thought maybe Lori came in on that, oh, that maybe had a was, roll-in.
1: Um, uh, no, I, well, the roll-ins we used were Lynn Kaufman and Greg DeBeast. So... I was wrong. I was. I was thinking, but this is the Maggie Callinan show tomorrow You night.
0: know, when you say I was wrong, does Joni ever get to hear that? Never. No, men. You know, men <laughs> need to share that more with their wives. Okay, we will mark that down, Joni. You listen. He said, "I was wrong." But let me but just. Uh, this was. This was really. Do you have? Some really fine shows that are... And, you know, I, we should mention, too, the shows that you have, and you do run some of these in the summer because you
1: don't do mm-hmm.
0: new shows in the summer, mainly because the college students aren't here to help produce the program. You run that program with college students yes, at you South Dakota State.
1: can't do it without the no, students. No, no, and, they're and not plus, here.
0: it isn't, doesn't hurt at all to take a break from all... That's a lot of time involved <laughs> in producing those TV shows. But with all of that in mind, uh, this program... Aired on August 30th, and you had... Um, Maggie Callahan. Callahan.
1: She had come from her home on, uh, on the Cape uh, to... That would be Cape Cod? Martha's Vineyard, actually. Okay. Nearby the Cape. Yep. Uh, off the Cape, just off the Cape. But uh, she came uh, via airplane to give a presentation to the hospice groups in Sioux Falls, and then hospice groups that came around and gave a conference here in Brookings. And then when we got done with that, we took a uh, half an hour nap, she and I both, <laughs> and, and then uh, we did the TV show.
0: Okay. And you were talking about uh, your book, which has to do with life's final season, and her book, which Final is Gifts.
1: Final Gifts. Yes. And that's it. I mean, she wrote a book called Final Gifts with another uh, hospice nurse about the hospice movement and about uh, end of life, uh, and uh, it was really divided in three parts. The first part was all about the history of hospice and, and what it does and all the good that it does. The second part is the, uh, I call it the magical part, where she really goes into all of the examples uh, uh, of people having a near-death experience and then waking up and, and uh And saying, oh my gosh, I'm no longer afraid to die. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, Why would we ever be afraid of this? Uh, And uh, it's that story of going through uh, a tunnel uh, where the light is at the end and the warmth and the love and and, uh, a sense of connection with the universe and so on and so forth. Uh, And then the third part of her book is about uh, how to help people at the end. Uh, what do you say to somebody? What's gonna happen to me? How is this gonna happen as I'm dying? And, um, and uh, what, uh, uh, ha- helping people uh, resolve unresolved issues about the, in their life, you know, the things that, I mean, they have a brother that has been, you know, uh, haven't seen him in 30 years. Uh, they hated each other the last time they talked. And uh reconciliation is an important part of, I think, the end of a person's life and uh, and just a sense of comfort and love uh, and encouragement of the proper medicine and and uh, helping people die at the end. You know it's a it's if you if you have a terminal illness or you're at the end of your days and you sense there's some fear, read that book because it's the most reassuring uh, book you can you can, put your hands on. And
0: it's written by Maggie Callahan, and the name of it is?
1: Callanan.
0: Callanan.
1: Yes, that's an Irish name, you know.
0: Oh, I I would think it is. (laughs) Callanan, not Callahan, Callanan. Callanan. And the book is called Final Gifts. Okay, so we have two fine books for people to read. You know, I just have a good friend who went into hospice last night, yesterday. Yes. Could you explain, I mean, most of us know, we've heard of hospice care, what just... Give what, us your explanation what of what is hospice care
1: right it isn't just uh, uh, terminal cancer patients. Hospice is for people who have uh, end of life issues uh, and it's their end of their lives uh, uh, f- from any sort of of illness you know may- maybe it's just uh, feebleness uh, perhaps it's alzheimer's disease or Strokes, it might be from heart failure. Uh, those, uh, you know, we die from many causes blood clots that are worsening. Uh, we die from uh, failure of one or two organs uh, at, uh, at a time, you know. Sometimes they all fail th- together. And hospice is there uh, for those who are at the end of their life.
0: And what does it provide? Comfort. That's awfully important. Comfort.
1: That's it. Comfort. Okay. Uh, No longer are we looking at more chemotherapy or more uh, uh, dialysis. Or or extreme measures of any kind. Of any kind.
0: Just enjoy the days you have remaining.
1: That's right. Without
0: extreme care.
1: And to help people and their families. You know, that's the other thing, the families. It gives support of a family for a year after the death of that person that uh, was getting hospice care. What do you
0: mean by for a year? You you threw me with
1: that. uh, So here is a uh, 75-year-old gentleman who's dying from Mm -hmm. a progressive uh, neurologic condition, and uh, family is loving and supporting and caring and helping him, and the nurses are helping him, and hospice is helping him, and then he dies. And for one year from that point on, they're going to be in contact with that family.
0: I was not aware of that. They keep contact after the person passes. Yeah, so that's they, really you good. know,
1: and it's a team. It's a social services person,
0: a uh, nurse for sure.
1: Well, probably four or five nurses that are on your case. Okay. And there's pastoral care that's provided if your church is, uh, is if you're not if you're unchurched. There's a, a pastor that's available to be there. If you have a church the pastors there to support the the, uh, the pastoral care that th- you're getting from another church or synagogue system comes so
0: that's phenomenal I was not aware of that I was aware too that sometimes people go into hospice care and then come out because whatever the condition they're doing better and so they no longer have hospice care you is know the, the great story too yeah like the
1: great story is an 85 uh, year old woman who who uh, who who Uh, had a swelling in her abdomen. She was my patient, had been my patient for 10 years or so, Uh, 85. And the swelling, I was afraid, was going to be cancer. And, of course, the ultrasound suggested it was a mass. And we did an exploratory laparotomy, which means you opened up to find what you've got. And uh, it was indeed malignancy of an unknown source. It's called uh, uh, abdominal cancer unknown primary. And so uh, the Vengopal, the the surgeon at the time, uh, debulked the tumor. In other words, removed as much tumor as he could from the abdomen, Um, cleaned it up, sewed everything, stopped the bleeding, and then reconnected the abdominal wall uh, and waited for her to heal. And she was my patient, and so I'm part of the uh, daily monitoring and and watching uh, along with the surgeon And and, uh, made sure she was okay. At the end of a week, she was better and went home. And we advised hospice and put her into hospice because of the terminal nature of the cancer, because I thought there was six months or less uh, of her life to live. And at the end of six months, we kicked her off of hospice because (laughs) she was still doing well. And (laughs) actually, 10 years later, she died of heart failure at 95.
0: Oh, my (laughs) goodness! So it isn't always the end-of-life choice. You just you know, don't know. You Ten years don't later.
1: You know what's oh. happening with our, the body. You know, she just can't know uh, what's going to happen. And so, I mean, when we, when we become hopeless, oh, my gosh, I've got terminal cancer. Well, one thing. I, you're going to die and I'm going to die one day. I don't know when you're going to die and I don't know when I'm going to die. We just don't know.
0: It will happen. It will happen, however. We
1: know. we know that for sure. Yes. And uh, so let's just live every day and not spend our time mourning about the darn uh, process. And I've said that a million times in my practice in, in, um, in life. Uh, some of those patients that I said that to died pretty quickly from cancer. Some of them didn't. So, so we I, don't we, know. We, we don't know. That's one thing for sure. And the other is to to realize that um, you can get in hospice if you think that it's coming, and then you sometimes you just get kicked off a of hospice. Sorry, you're living. You're, 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 doing, you're so doing well. well. And and we've changed our mind on your prognosis. (laughs)
0: Which is okay. One thing we also know is that we need to take a break right now. So we're going to take a break. Give us a call if you'd like at 692-1430, and we'll be back right after these words.
2: Autism Spectrum Disorder is a developmental disability that can cause significant social, communication, and behavioral challenges. Many people with ASD also have different ways of learning, paying attention, or reacting to things. Signs of autism spectrum disorder begin during early childhood and typically last throughout a person's life. The cause of autism is unknown. If you have questions about your child's development, talk with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500.
0: Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio, Joan Hogan here with Dr. Rick Holm and we're discussing the program that it will be on tomorrow night on South Dakota Public Television, which will be Final Gifts Caring for Someone at the End of Life, and has his guest he'll have Maggie Callanan, who has written a book called Final Gifts, telling you about end of life and how to cope with it, and also talking about hospice care and the lack of fear of death. Doctor Holm, what are your thoughts on this?
1: About my fear of death or my my own my own concern about dying?
0: Well you don't you seem to have handled it quite well. <laughs> really, really, quite well.
1: Well, you know, my whole life has been trying to to, to educate other people okay, how, to okay. well. <laughs> how to okay. take it well. It's okay. We're gonna. We're all going to die. My whole. I mean, I'm a geriatrician. But you I,
0: didn't expect to be l- preaching to yourself. No, did you? I but not at this early age. You're Too what, darn young. To shame be on me
1: if I drop everything that I told all these people and forget all that and and, right. and run into a, a fear. Fear whole Uh you know I I've just seen this the the most beautiful death that I've watched uh, was a biology professor who loved everything felt connected with everybody with with the university he was a teacher you know at the SDSU and uh, and a, a, just a wonderful man who opened his heart to um, the, the spirit that is around us and he talks about how connected we are laterally not just with our children but with the people around us that that we are part of that that the spirit connects us and when you'd go in to see him you'd walk out stronger you could feel the the <laughs> the strength of his love uh make you a bigger and better person uh as you uh, walked out of his his room and and uh, you know i i sense that that was the biggest, most powerful experience uh, of my life, teaching me uh, that we we are connected and the power of that connectedness. You You know, know, last night we sang for a person in hospice, two people in hospice um, at the neighborhoods. And uh, my heart just fills with this connectedness feeling when you're singing in harmony. And you have to be listening to the other people so that you're, harmonizing you're you're connecting you can
0: harmonize of
1: course we're working on a new song (laughs) so it might
0: not have been (laughs) the the harmony was not as good
1: (laughs) as it usually is because we really know these other songs but the, the the joy of this new song is just overwhelming to me so i mean i just uh i marvel at the connectedness that we have and there is so much more that goes on that we understand I mean, you know, that that you can feel when you're communicating with people or listening to them as they're communicating to you, Uh, even when they're not talking, Uh, the connectedness that we can have with each other.
0: I felt that very strongly Monday night when um, the uh, Lutheran minister put Uh, a call out for uh, people to just come. To mourn the loss of this young girl who died in Brookings. It was just heartbreaking to think that happened in our town. Yes. But yet the community came together. It was amazing. It was a beautiful service. And, you know, just you realize you are connected, you do care.
1: Oh, um, you know, when you think about it, three year old who probably did not see anybody else in this town. <laughs>
0: oh, no, but it just, but the whole town was there. It was, I was so fearful that there may not be a turnout. And we pulled up, and the parking lot was packed, yeah. absolutely packed. I thought, God, love Brookings. You know, it, just, <laughs> it was beautiful because people do care. You don't know what to say or do or how to feel doesn't about doesn't matter. It, but just be
1: there. You're there. Yeah. yeah.
0: So it was a good deal. So we are connected throughout our lifetime, connected even more when we're facing death, I suppose. Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, beautiful point.
0: Well, one thing we could talk about, too, are advanced directives. Because those are so important. You're connected. Sometimes one of the toughest connections are your family. They can really be a pain in the neck oh. at <laughs> you know. And, and especially when you're trying to make final life decisions, your family yes. can just be very difficult on you. Should we take our final break yeah. and then come back and talk about advanced directives? Yes,
1: okay, the final, thank you. final break.
2: Traumatic brain injury, or TBI, is a serious public health problem in the United States. Each year, traumatic brain injuries contribute to a substantial number of deaths and causes of permanent disability. Please remember to wear your helmet when biking and teach your child to do the same. The best treatment for traumatic brain injury is prevention. Brought to you by the Vera Medical Group, Brookings.
0: Welcome back to Prairie Dak Radio. This is Joan Hogan and Dr. Rick
1: And we're talking about advanced directives. Now. We
0: are. I think. They're, they're important.
1: Well, if you look at what's in my book, it's probably the most important message. Because we, particularly boomers, I know you're...
0: I'm just past the... <laughs> I'm a little older than the boomers. <laughs> my younger sisters are boomers. How's that? Okay. okay.
1: You're you're kind of a.
0: I am. I you know what I was born in forty three. Now when you think about it,
1: forty five uh, last name
0: the... <laughs> was uh, Ford, and so when my brother who just turned eighty, I can't believe I got an eighty year old brother. But at any rate, um, when he turned fifty, I thought I'll get it one of these magazine ads, and it's the nineteen uh, thirty nine Ford. So yeah. then, when my sister, who was born in '42, I got a '42 Ford. I got a '47, and I got a '50 and a '53. I even had a '57. So that covers the whole family. I thought, I got these cute ads, put them in a frame, discussing the year they were born because yeah. they're Fords. <laughs> Why don't I get a '43? Yeah, dream on. Couldn't find one. There were no Fords advertised in 1943. 1943. <laughs> we were well into the war. There wasn't all they did was make tanks. I could, there was not a single magazine ad you could have for put, a Ford in nineteen forty three. You
1: could have put a tank up there.
0: Yeah, probably yeah. That would have been it. But that you know, I'm just not quite baby boomer. I think my sister Kathy was forty seven and that would have been the big beginning of yeah, the baby the boomers, boomers. Yeah. yeah well wow. yeah. right after the war. I somehow was mm-hmm. probably my father's guarantee he wouldn't go to war yeah. <laughs> <Wasn't likely. laughs> yeah, when I came along was. in forty three.
1: My yeah. sister was born in nineteen forty six, nine months from the day that Dad arrived at the at home, knocked at on home. the door, he and my bad. mom came to the, the. Nine months. Nine months. <laughs> okay. Makes and uh, sense. so she's the classic. She is. Uh, uh, boomer. Yeah. And uh, I came two and a half years later. Mm. So you know, um, it's it's interesting that uh, boomers. Have been the spoiled lot, really. We yes, were the kids. We you were the kids are. that were raised in Riverdale. You know, <laughs> uh, happy, uh, perfect, uh, uh, Desmet, uh, small town USA, even big town USA. With it didn't matter. Uh, you were just idyllic. the The world was coming uh, back to us. Uh, the The they saved the day. The warrior. the The dads came home from the war. Life is glorious wife is at home raising children uh and the children were you know perfect children and uh we had uh no major problems except the fear of the atom bomb uh but uh with all that what's happened is the boomers uh own about 80 percent of the world's wealth Mm. and the boomers have been uh the recipient of all of the uh all of the spoils of after the war and the boomers uh, have uh, seen their mother uh, uh, fight for women's rights uh, and justice and the boomers were involved with the anti-Vietnam War and the boomers uh, uh, you know, movement. And the boomers uh, have always uh, were idealists but they are rich idealists and they have always had their way and when it comes to the end of their life now here's my point
0: we knew you were getting there <laughs> the, your point when is it comes
1: to the end of their lives they're going to want everything done and it will drag them through hell
0: they don't want to let go
1: they oh. won't want to let go they've always had everything they wanted they've always had you know everything give they me could
0: the best medical care keep me going keep, keep me going, going. keep right. me
1: alive don't let me go i don't want to die i'm afraid of dying and then they will be Put on the respirators and feeding tubes and dragged through hell. That's what I'm going to say out loud, H-E double toothpicks. And the point is uh, that these are the people that really need to think about Making sure that you've talked with your kids about not dragging you, uh, keeping you alive when your brain is gone, Uh, not dragging you through suffering just to keep you alive for another month or two, uh, to, to not be afraid to let go. And, uh, and so I think the big question is feeding tube, because that's the one that really causes, I think, the most suffering. Uh, there are times to use a feeding tube when you think that it is a reversible something, they're gonna come out of this, they'll be okay. You just have to get them through this and there needs to be some nutrition. Although when a person gets very sick, you really want the energy of the body to go to the to the healing process and not to Digestive. trying to digest mm-hmm. all that crap that you've mm-hmm. you're putting too much into them so small amounts of nutrition is what's needed not a lot and i've learned that and i don't think a lot of doctors understand that point so anyway feeding tubes should be addressed and it should be verbal and it should be with all your kids and you can put it in writing but the doctor in the emergency room will do what your kids tell him her to do, not what the living will document says. That just—that's really too bad. We need is, to make. Maybe
0: we need to pass some laws to accept living will documents. No, we
1: know. just need to. We need no, to. We don't
0: need another law. Oh do we? gosh, we, no! No, I, we've got I would enough not. Laws and medicine.
1: <laughs> I think the point is though that we that that people need to be the doctors need to be attuned to the, the desires of the patient. And then there's the also the issue. Well, let's say the patient wants everything, the family wants everything, and you know everything is not the right thing for this person. They're going to go through crap and everything. What do you do? You give them everything. Ugh,
0: that's that's too bad.
1: You have no choice.
0: Have you had cases, though, where you, I'm sure, because you have had a geriatric population you've mm-hmm. cared for, where they've asked for everything and you've been able to discuss with them and maybe bring them down a step?
1: That is what what I have found to do, is to just guide them through it wisely as I can, caring as much as I can, understanding as much as I can. And each day, if you see the prognosis is getting worse, make sure they understand the prognosis is worse, understand that the suffering that might be occurring, and the option of uh, if the patient can't eat or drink by themselves and doesn't appear to want it um, or won't take food uh, even that we don't force feed them that we let go and know that it's 10 days and it's not a bad way to go actually
0: you know another thought I had because in doing different research for this program I guess I pulled up some TED talks and you can get TED talks on the internet without a problem Mm -hmm. just go to TED talks and um Fear of dying, or something like that, and you'll find more people who have had that near-death experience, and they give a talk. And if you are near death, or your family member is, watch a few of those, and you'll realize they no longer have a fear of death. It's the most empowering thing to watch those because every single person who has been near death that's on one of these talks just talks about the fact. There's a, many similarities, but the most important similarity is not one of them fear death once mm-hmm. they've been that Amazing. close. It's, it's just a, overwhelming.
1: You know, um, those near-death experiences, there is a painting by Hieronymus Bosch, not the one that's on Netflix or Amazon Prime, the, the detective, but Hieronymus a Bosch, different the, one. Painter <laughs> the painter of 1505, talking about uh, people, angels, uh, lifting the man uh, up and toward a long tunnel with a light at the end of the tunnel. That's (laughs) only
0: 500 years ago. Just 500 years ago.
1: This has been uh, going on for a long time.
0: We're going to live, we're going to die. On that note, we do hope all of you have enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Why don't you follow Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. Visit Prairie Dock at www.prairiedoc.org. Correct, that's all this week. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you, Joan, and thank you, Bob. And stay healthy out there, people. And don't forget to do what? Exercise. When we were going to talk about how important it is to exercise to keep you well and, uh, and not have to talk about dying. Uh, keep you alive. So... Exercise.